2: finally got one. A good good stretch. Gets the show started. Feels good. Uh, There we go. Took all the... (laughs) All the, the <laughs> <laughs> All the cotton from geezer. I might have been the last one. All the cotton from geezer. Hey, look who's there! It's Paul Nolan.
3: Uh, you know what? I was driving through. I saw 7-Eleven. I was at the 7. I saw the studio. I was like, I might as well just
2: pop in. Wally bots and pins. is back. Yep. How are
3: you? I'm good. I feel good.
2: Uh, you feel I, good? So, yeah, uh, it was a
3: nice break.
2: Okay, that's, that's not. I wasn't hoping to hear it was a nice break. This, no, first... I mean from
3: life. Like, oh, okay, I, it was nice sitting around my house, f- putzing around my backyard. Yeah. you know, I was tr- trimming, pruning bushes, and just walking around like a crazy old Italian guy in what? my in my robe and slippers. I
4: feel like he turned into Henry Fonda on Golden
3: <laughs> Fond. What <laughs> happened? Where's shedding? your wedding <laughs> Norman?
2: Yeah, where's your bucket hat? <laughs> Um. So, how was your? So, do you want to talk about your experience at all, or you you were um kind of lucky like I was, right? Right? Yeah.
3: No, I uh, I, I it didn't it didn't really suck that bad. I, in fact, it was I felt it coming on on a Monday around five o'clock. Felt a little sluggish. I think I hit you up and I said I'm definitely not coming tonight, because um, Monday's a tough for me as it is. And then that night around I guess two in the morning, three in the morning, I had the chills, you know. So I slept in a hoodie and. And then the next day it was achy, like I got hit in the back with a bat a few times. And then uh, Wednesday I started to feel better, and Thursday just weird symptoms, just tightness in my chest. And uh, but I, I I had an army. I threw the kitchen sink of holistic's <laughs> at it, like, and I made a video. It's like two and a half, it's maybe two minutes long of all of the the twenty nine supplements I was taking every day. Well, I don't know if it helped the hurt, but and I, you
2: had, and you had taken, you had prepared well in advance every day, your vitamin D, your zinc, your this, yeah. your that. Yeah. So,
3: but um, I had been slacking a little bit lately, you know, not as uh, diligent with my regimen as I normally am, but you know, lo and behold, my antibodies are better and, uh, I'm better off than all these knuckleheads that took the, uh, took the shot. So I know that.
2: Yeah, well, thank God now 5 through 11, they can, they can get it because the FDA voted today, I believe, 17 to nothing.
3: Oh, I'm sorry?
2: I believe the so, FDA voted today 17 to nothing. The panel. The 5-year-olds? Voted for yeah. 5 to 11-year-olds. It's a reduced shot, but it's still the shot. Yes, 5 to 11-year-olds, the FDA approved seven, 17 to nothing. 17-0. Yeah. Not one person with any, uh, not one. And actually, they had, I found an interesting video. Matter of fact, we could start with that. It's interesting since we're talking about this topic. They had an open session on an open phone line uh, to hear from, I guess, I don't know if it was selected callers or they had just an open session, uh, cut 40G, and they had a caller. I don't know if this guy's a doctor or who he was, but uh, he he had three minutes to speak and this is uh, what he said. Roll that.
5: My name is Luke Yamaguchi. I have no financial conflicts of interest to disclose. From March through October of last year, children 5 to 14 years old had a one in a million chance of dying with COVID-19 in the United States. For perspective, children in this age group were about 10 times more likely to die from suicide than from COVID-19. A recent article in the New York Times cited data showing that unvaccinated 5 to 11-year-old children are actually at less risk of hospitalization from COVID-19 than fully vaccinated older adults. For children 5 to 11 years old, the weekly rate of COVID-19 associated hospitalization has ranged from zero to a peak of 1.1 per 100,000 population. Regarding herd immunity, the state of Vermont, despite having the highest COVID-19 vaccination rate in the country, is currently experiencing the highest number of active COVID-19 cases they have ever had throughout any point in the pandemic. Similarly, the country of Singapore with 84% of their population fully vaccinated is now experiencing their largest wave of COVID-19 cases and deaths since the beginning of the pandemic. With this in mind, I want to mention three factors that must be taken into account when making a risk-benefit analysis for COVID-19 vaccines in low-risk pediatric populations. The first point I want to make is that pediatric hospitalization rates are inflated by the detection of mild or asymptomatic infection due to universal COVID-19 testing procedures in hospitals. One study out of Stanford found that 45% of pediatric COVID-19 hospital admissions were not caused by SARS-CoV-2 infection, and so this must be accounted for in your risk-benefit analysis. Additionally, the risks of recommending COVID-19 vaccines to children who already have natural immunity against COVID must be taken into account. Current estimates would suggest that almost 50% of children have now recovered from COVID-19 and acquired natural immunity. The research is abundantly clear now that natural immunity to COVID-19 is vastly superior to vaccine-induced immunity because COVID-19 vaccine-induced immunity rapidly wanes over time and requires future booster doses, each of which carry their own risk. Furthermore, There's an additional risk with vaccinating people who have previously had COVID-19. Data out of the UK shows that prior COVID-19 infection is associated with increased risk of adverse events from Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine, with young individuals more likely to report adverse events. So for about half the children in the United States who have likely already acquired natural immunity, the risks of COVID-19 vaccination almost certainly outweigh any possible benefit and this needs to be accounted for in your risk-benefit analysis. The last thing I'll say is that it's possible that people who get a COVID-19 vaccine will need to get another booster dose every six months, potentially for the rest of their life. And with every additional booster dose, there'll be the risk of myocarditis, along with the risk of other adverse events, you can't just look at a six-month risk-benefit analysis and say that it's all good. You have to look at the long-term risks versus benefits, taking into consideration that natural immunity is broad, robust, and long-lasting, and vaccine-induced immunity is not. And so I urge the community to exercise the precautionary principle and withhold the EUA of Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine for children 5 to 11 years of age. Thank you very much for your time and consideration.
2: Yeah, so uh, what was amazing about that is, number one, they actually let him speak for the full three minutes without cutting him off as he got into some of that, but I thought he made a lot of good points.
5: That
3: was outstanding. But we keep seeing more and more of these people stepping up and speaking the truth, but it doesn't matter. Because no,
2: 17 the, to nothing.
3: <laughs> it, because they they all love their juicy, gooey, chunky, sweet, big pharma yeah. financing.
2: Later in that call, one of the guys, I don't know if he was from the, I guess he was from the panel who was going to vote, said, well, I mean, realistically, we're really not going to know um, the, the risk benefits until we start actually injecting people.
3: Oof. Oh, well, that sounds, that sounds and good. I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking. It's like the bill. Huh. We have to pass it yeah. so we can yes. read it. That's
2: exactly So we can right. see what's in it. Right. That's exactly right. Very similar to that. Um, so 17 to nothing. It passed today. And um, and now now the, now this is just another fight coming to our doorstep. You've already seen California, the governor mandate. Now you're seeing the idiot in Washington State, Inslee. God, he's a <laughs> moron. He's uh, he's gonna he's got mandate new v- mandates out today. You saw the undercover video that we played yesterday from Project Veritas.
3: Yeah, Yo, about I didn't what's see going on finished.
2: in new, about what's going on in New Jersey. Oof. Um, in that governor murphy's lead um re-election campaign manager said well you know to the undercover reporter we're we're not going to talk about vaccine mandates now because we have to win first but don't you worry once we win here come the mandates are coming yeah and she was confront part two of that video was released today i didn't think it was as good as part one but basically um she gets confronted in the parking garage about her video, and of course she is says- Is this the
3: lady who ran away?
2: This is the lady who said she, had, she was in a car accident. She said her car got hit in the parking garage to uh,
3: oh, uh, Project
2: Veritas's founder there, and said, I can't talk to you right now. And he confronted her and said, why do we have to deceive the voters before you'll tell them actually what you actually are going to do? So you, you know what's coming in all of these blue states. And um, we talked yesterday, we're going to follow up on a lot about what we talked about yesterday uh, from the capital gains tax and going into your bank account. But uh, this as well. And I heard somebody else today talking about this exodus from blue states to red states. Oh, not, over, not over vaccine stuff, but that's part of it too. But over the capital gains snooping into your life. Um, Ca- uh, taxing unrealized ca- you know capital gains and they made the same argument that we talked about last night it's, it's not only going to be now from state to state it's going to soon soon enough it's going to be from country to out of this country because that's what businesses are going to do and then that trickles down and affects your life in many other ways if you if you think taxing unrealized capital gains is going to be something that remains in the so-called rich category yeah, i'm just telling life. you i'm just telling you that there's no chance that's going to happen i got a piece in the washington post today that lays out why that's not going to happen um so we'll go over all of that plus we've got uh, what do we got here we have some lols of the day i went back i definitely missed some parts of joe biden's friday's town hall i, ju- I must you have did. i must have gone for coffee or, or i just don't remember these parts
3: i've seen a couple clips boy he was spastic wasn't he <laughs>
2: yeah well let's let's do one g because maybe the audience missed these too. let let's just do the first one here's our first lol of the day i missed this part of the um of the joe biden town hall roll that Hello.
5: How long has this been here about that, with just in terms of inflation, yes, around,
2: you had damn. told uh, us at the town hall, the hall, hall <laughs> that did totally screw I totally missed that part. I did not see that. Yeah. Delgado, did you see that? Yeah, I saw that. Oh, you saw that yeah, part. Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, but do you
3: remember though? He hit his head on the light? in the in the roof and he came down and he started speaking normal
2: i did not see that <laughs> no well, cuz he, he, he i definitely was, didn't see that yeah he, he was you know so tight
3: fist and, and his fist was what so hard was he was
2: that?
4: it was like he was fighting a nadler moment or something
3: did, uh, Someday, didn't, didn't psychiatrists come on and be like, he legitimately had a scene, like a yes. senior moment, like, <laughs> yes. like now, what do you think? Do you guys, have you guys discussed this a lot? Like Rick, have you talked about how they're setting us up? And how, <laughs> that's so funny, man. <laughs> and you know how they just plan us for the Twenty First Amendment, like, they, right? Are we the Twenty Fifth? Right? What is it, Twenty Fifth? Yeah, yeah. Are, we, are, we, are, they, are they setting us up? Are they just letting us know he's ah. done? They've used him. No, I guess
4: that's what it is. I mean, I don't foresee him lasting. I, I'm surprised he lasted this long. Didn't
2: we make but a bet on this? Yeah, oh I, yeah, yeah I lost. I said point? 4th of we, July. We all lost. Um, well, no, I, I think I won, you mean. You, no. Yes. You didn't no. win. You, can, you, you, can't, you can't say. Didn't you I know, have the longest time frame? No. Oh, we, right we, we
4: all shot for like some time b- from the beginning to the end of the summer.
3: Mm. I said 4th of July, so I was out. Yeah. Okay. I But I'm just going to by August. default say Damon was wrong because he's always like this Monday morning quarterback yeah. thing that's kind well, of no, annoying I'm to, just, I'm to just all asking, the listeners. No. And,
2: like,
4: Like, I know for the World Series, he bet on both the Braves and the,
2: uh, <laughs> and the, the Astros. Well, like when I had right, the Milwaukee so he have,
3: Bucks. Right. He didn't, have, he didn't talk about that once, but he talked about it. He just kept breaking his shoulder, patting himself on Are the Are you back. guys
2: calling me a front running weasel? No, just, no a, you know. just a weasel. Oh, okay, okay, that's better. Thank you very much. I represent that. Uh, another thing I want to get to today, picture one, G. I want to wish a big happy birthday to um, this person who will never be president.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so
4: <laughs> let's,
2: let's remember this twice-failed candidate now, I believe, turned 74 today. So happy birthday to now this. That's
3: right before she like, sold her soul to the devil. To, yeah. Yeah, it's about the time.
2: Not future president. That's about... Then,
4: that, I was going to say, that's about the time Joe Biden took a sniff and it went all downhill from there. <laughs>
2: yeah. uh, the Washington Free Beacon has a cute little piece that. today about this being the five-year anniversary of one of the most flagrant and in, and in, in retrospect, hilarious <laughs> acts of hubris in the history of American politics because on this day in 2016, she sent that tweet out to herself knowing for sure that she was on her way to victory. <laughs> well, so much. Oops. Live from Studio 6B, just getting started on a Tuesday night. Glad you're in. We're back after this with news. All right, 17 past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night. Glad you're in. Paul Nolan's going to do some news here in a second. Rick Delgado's here. He has a what even is that coming up tonight? What is the uh, basis or um, what's the basis of your what even is that tonight?
4: Uh, The miracle cure of COVID-19.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Maybe we should call Dr. Fauci, make sure he's listening. Or I should say of the vaccine. From his jail cell. Oh, no, he's not there yet. Not yet. Uh, Before we get to news, uh, new poll. For those of you hoping that the former president runs again, this from red state, new poll on Biden Trump rematch just might make Joe pull his hair out or his hair hair plugs is uh, more appropriate a new poll on how president Trump would do versus Joe Biden just might make Biden pull his hair out when he hears about it. The I and I T I P P poll was limited to people who voted in the 2020 election. Voters were asked, quote, if the presidential election were held today and the following were the candidates, for whom would you vote? That was the question. The choices were Donald Trump, Joe Biden, other, or not sure. The results of the polls show Trump leading across almost all of the country if the election were held today. The poll shows that Trump beats Biden in almost every region except... Well, in the Northeast, of course, and leading in all key demographics. Trump leads in the Midwest, uh, the South, the West. Biden leads Trump in the Northeast. Trump now leads Biden among those age 45, 64, those 65 and older, women, whites, independent, suburban voters, and rural voters, and married women. By the way, married women, 52 to 40. Wow. In this poll, moreover, uh, even among those who still favored Biden in October, Trump realized some significant gains among black voters, for instance, Trump moved from 18.1 percent support in September to 20.3 support in October. Among Hispanic voters, the fastest growing voting bloc in the U.S., Trump gained a hefty 14.6 percentage points from 24.2 percent up to 38.8. That's more than the 33% of the Hispanic vote that Trump garnered in the 2020 election. Moderates, often identified with independents and other key swing voters, tacked on 5.8 percentage points to their overall support of Trump, from 32.4 up to 38.2. Among married women often viewed as a heavily influential voting group, the shift towards Trump was particularly notable. (laughs) In September, this group favored Biden 42.4% to 42.1% for Trump. In October, they gave Trump 54% of the vote versus just 40% for Biden. That is a huge swing. Clearly, there are a lot of Democrats or other people who voted for Biden who are experiencing buyer's remorse as well. Now, even though Trump is beating him in most regions, Biden still holds a slim lead in the total numbers, 45 to 44, 6% choosing other and 5% saying not sure. But the momentum for sure would be all Trump. And Biden is still dropping. He dropped 1.2 points in September while Trump gained 1.8 points. And I only tell you this because obviously this is going on out there. And I keep talking about the fact that I think even people who maybe voted for this guy are, just as this article says, has buyer remorse or have a line in the sand that they say, this is just, this is getting out of hand in so many ways. Yeah. It's affecting my life. It's affecting real world things in my life. Pocketbook uh, more than anything. And I mean, we're only
3: 10 months in. You know what? You see the pump? My goodness. Today, it was the first time, you know, with, you use uh, premium gas It was $4 and one cents at the pump Oof. today. Oof. Insane. Just insane. But, Shall, but, sh- let's, but let's not pretend that that pipeline shutdown had nothing to do with the corporate interests in making sure that lithium-based batteries and every car running on battery power it wasn't, didn't have anything to do with it. Yeah, okay. Sure.
2: No, and it's, it's OPEC's fault, Paul. Didn't right, you right. hear? If you watched the town hall on Friday, Biden said it was OPEC's fault. <clears throat> Yeah, we got to do a little he, more negotiating with them he said
4: he's got to meet with them so they could pump more oil yeah
2: yes yeah yeah okay that's the strategy energy
3: independent remember we <laughs> was a surplus of oil yeah. yeah a year ago was it april of 2020 we had so much oil they were giving sto- it away they were storing it
2: yeah, in tank they were storing it in tankers off the coast that's exactly right and the president talked we talked about this i think well paul was not here I brought, I brought that exact not point shot up. at
3: Paul not being No, here. I'm just saying.
2: <laughs> Remember, Trump said, I'm, I'm paying them to keep it. We're, we're stacking up the tankers and keeping them out in the ocean. We've got so much of it. Yeah. Well, we know that all changed on day one, right? And the attack on energy hasn't stopped yet.
3: Right. And just think about why. Think about why. Think about the big, giant corporate wheel that was, hey, we're all, all of us, all of us elitists. We're all investing in lithium. We're all investing in battery power. Get rid of fossil fuel. We'll use the guise of global warming that every animal's gonna die because of our horrible white American ways. It's all lies. It's all lies. It's all a big corporate wheel, and they all push each other's buttons, and they're like pack animals that hunt like raptors, you know, in unison together. It's a joke. It's a joke. It's disgusting. And I got a, I got a poll here. Yeah, what's that? The uh, Let's go, Brandon. Very popular in America. Did you know that? Oh, look at his shirt.
2: Look at that shirt. I am well aware. It's the hottest hey, What happens
3: if I try to buy one, D? It's, it's... You'll probably get it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because they don't have to, like, take down the... What did you say right. before? The, all of the cotton in Giza, in Giza. has been used to make Damon's shirt.
4: Poor Mike Lindell has nothing to make his sheets with because they used it
2: to make Damon's shirt. They will, um... <laughs> Now I've seen, I've just totally lost my train of thought. Oh, this, this is, this is, we've never seen in all of the history of brands, not Nike, not any, any great brand in the world, how they've come up and built their brand, how long it's taken. We've never seen a brand. This is the hottest brand in the world owned by multiple hundreds of thousands of companies. Doesn't matter who puts it out doesn't matter what the design – I think the design does matter because this is a great design. Yeah. But um, no matter what it is, it's, it's, it's all gone. You can't keep it on the shelf. It's the hottest thing in the world. You put a song out, it goes right to number one on iTunes. You put a shirt out, it sells out overnight. And jo- would joke about it and have some fun with it. But what does that tell you? Where's the sentiment in this country right now? Well,
3: the 81 million would say, uh, you know, let's go, Brandon. Who do you, who's the first guy to buy let's go Brandon.com? You know what I mean? Like how great.
2: <laughs> so well, I, I missed that part though. I have some other parts I missed too. I, I didn't. Well, you know, what's hilarious
4: too, is that there was a video that came out towards the end of last week and, and we ended up being off. So we didn't play it. But if this Marine veteran who stopped the robbery, right?
2: I saw the video. Did
4: you see the video from up above? It's yes. a closed circuit. And the guy walks in, points the gun. He's, you know, swings his arm, takes the guy out. Um, That guy was honored today over at uh, Sheriff Wilmot. He honored the the gentleman who was named James Kilser, and he received the Citizens Valor Award uh, earlier today uh, over in Yuma County, and he was pictured wearing a Let's Go Brandon (laughs) t-shirt. Accepting (laughs) the award. (laughs) It's hilarious. If you go to Gateway Pundit, you can see it.
2: Yeah, I don't see it, G. I see that it's gone. Um
4: And he ended his uh he he did a he did a, an appearance last week, I guess, after the uh after the stopping of the robbery, thwarting of the robbery, where he ended his appearance by saying Epstein didn't kill himself.
3: So what <laughs> was the wonderful. actual poll, Paul? <laughs> so uh more than uh half of likely US voters are now familiar with the let's go Brandon uh chant, the euphemistic uh chant is uh less profane than the original chant of F Joe Biden. And uh, among the 57.7% uh, of respondents said they've heard the chant, which sounds like, you know, F Joe, but uh, 70, uh, this is interesting. Republicans, 74% said they have heard it. Uh, only 39% of Democrats said they've heard it. But <laughs> yeah, <sure. laughs> uh, Right. 63% of independents knew about the recent phenomenon. And uh, 59% of respondents said both chants are appropriate ways to protest Biden administration. And 16.9% uh, uh, said that let's go, Brandon, is appropriate, where it's, uh, a little bit less said uh, F Joe Biden wasn't. So, interesting. Yeah. yeah.
2: And the uh, girl who will go down in history as creation of the hottest brand ever to hit the market is <laughs> <It's> unfortunately <laughs> getting no piece of any of it. So. All right, live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday. More to do. We're back right up to this. All right, 30 minutes past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night. Glad you're in. Paul Nolan's back. Good to have him back. Feeling good. Going to do some more news. Rick uh, Delgado's here. Rick is still recovering from his um, hip replacement, but he says he's feeling good, uh, so he should be back probably in the next couple weeks. Rick Amorati's got what even is that coming up tonight? He's um, also
4: recovering from that too.
2: Yeah, he's also recovering from being <laughs> down two dimes. So that's um, he doesn't look too happy in that picture either. Yeah. Big D up plus two thousand. So, <laughs>
3: this so is we'll good uh, stuff.
2: You know, he's getting out of making picks now. Last week and this week. So he probably, you know, this surgery, I'm sure he's got insurance, probably saved himself another four or five thousand. Wow. You're, you, you're feeling you pretty good, it, huh? When you think about it. So hey, another moment, um, video of the day here, number two, moment that I missed in the Joe Biden town hall. I mean, I don't know what I was doing at this time, but I missed this one too. Roll that, G. Similar to the first first one. About that, with, just in terms of inflation, because you had told, uh,
6: us at a town hall, I think it was in July, that the, it was just near-term it. inflation. The Wall Street Journal recently <laughs> talks to like 67, uh, Holy. financial experts who
2: said that they, they saw high inflation going all the way, or deep into 2022. Oh my god. No, I just missed that one too. I don't know what I was doing, but.
4: I am Joholio! <laughs>
2: I, this is great. Oh, man. So Hey, Saki was asked today <laughs> about um, <laughs> Biden voters kind of going to that poll I told you about. Let's see what she said. Roll that, G.
0: About the campaign, the president, I can pull up some of the dates over the course of the campaign. When he said to, <laughs> he said to a large Democratic audience, it says, we're going to get you things like tuition-free community college. We're going to get you paid family leave. As we look ahead, as Mark was just noting to the president's travels to see Terry McAuliffe, today. What do you say to those disillusioned Democrats right now? who feel Like they put their marbles in this basket and they're not going to get a lot of the things that they believe they were promised would come from Democrats in this administration and this bill. First, we would them. say
7: we are going to get those things done. Secondly, second, do we, second, we would say he's nine months into his presidency. Second, we would say what we're talking about here is Seven the largest months. investment in addressing the climate crisis in history, six times the size of the recovery act. We're talking about the largest investment in child care and early childhood education, something where we're putting in place a structure that can be built on, just like the Social Security Act, the Affordable Care Act. We're talking about expanding access to health care. These are all components of what the president ran on and what he promised. And they all would make a, have a huge impact on people's lives across the country. So do you want to be a part of yeah, that or negatively. do you want to be a part of nothing? Because those are the alternatives.
0: And if you don't get that, who should who should these disillusioned Democrats hold accountable?
7: Well, look, Peter, I think what we're talking about here is the realities of governing, negotiating, having 50 members of the Senate, not 60 members of the Senate who are Democrats. Sure. And the fact that we are still on track to get a historic package through Congress with, without precedent in history. And that's something that Democrats uh, have a right and should be very excited about.
3: Wow. You well, Peter, I know. think <laughs> in fairness, it's only nine months in. Ten. Right. Yeah. You know, he You got to give him a couple years. Well, he won't even make it past year one. Just kidding. They've been using this. It's a couple. You know, days. It's a couple right. weeks. Yes.
2: Yeah. Well, her. I. I got a feeling that her days have got to be number two. She's got to be.
3: Well, yeah. for one, I mean, if she's not she, biased, she's got to
4: quit. Well, she's getting snarkier and snarkier,
2: Yeah, and that's just going to... It, at, at some point, you run out of propaganda yeah. to use, even in that. When you start right. losing Peter Alexander from NBC, when he starts asking questions like that, and then follow-ups like that, and she has to get that snarky with him, and um, she, she acts... But I love how she blames the other side. You know, it's a 50-50 split in the sense. They have no mandate to do any of what they're trying to ram through. But yeah, she's still, she's still, because they can't get their own party together, because they're so off the rails that at least they have a couple members that have s- seemingly some sanity, although, you know, we'll see. Manchin and cinema right now are, are holding the line for now, although it seems like Manchin is pretty much down with, you know, he's down with the IRS going into your county, he's down with the wealth tax, so he's, I mean, come on, we're... we're, we're I think we're slowly losing our grip there. We're hanging on to him over the cliff, and he's the hands are starting to slowly separate. Now, he's, a, you know, I think we're about to. Mansions, I don't know how much longer he's going to be able to hold on. Cinema, I really don't know because she hasn't said that much.
4: Yeah, she's kind of been out of the news ever since uh, she was uh, accosted.
2: Well, she was in. Uh, she was in the. Um, she was in the president's chair in the Senate today. I think that's what they call it. They're in a denim vest. <laughs> she l- looked like she was going to, you know, see the new James Bond movie, but dressed dress to go to the movies, but she there she was, presiding over the uh, over the Senate. Um So yeah, Saki just gets snarkier and snarkier. She has no answers. And that's why I just think at some point you gotta just think, man, it's just I, I just gotta get out of here. This is okay. not gonna get any better. If they don't get this passed, I think it really I think it really gets her out the door even quicker because I mean, you start losing NBC and you start getting questioned from all these other people. You know, even though they're in there to, uh, they're not really asking questions to gain you any information. They're asking because they're of their political persuasion. They want to know, you know, where's the my free college? You know, they want. Right. They're there arguing for their own positions.
4: Yeah, and it's interesting to see the the kind of the switch. That she's trying to do with the narrative of, well, you know, wh- what do you want? Do you want all this or do you want nothing? Which side are you want? You know, it's, it's like this is a reporter asking a question. He's not asking for a side. He, he's asking you a question about, you know, the voters and what you promised them.
2: Yeah, and she's trying for, to switch it up. Yeah, you down for transformational, um, a little transforming of America or not, Peter? That's what we're trying to do here. So... Uh, she was also asked about what I'm going to get to next here is this billionaire's tax and the other pay-for schemes that they're trying to come up with to pay for this. Although they tell us it costs zero, so I don't know why they have to come up with all these schemes and all these wealth tax and all this other stuff. It costs zero, but yet they do. Here's, uh, here she is on that, 34. Roll that,
0: G. Is there any reaction to criticism on the um, on the billionaire's tax as being too cumbersome and open to legal challenges? Are you guys going to stick with that?
7: Well, as we've talked about in a bit in here, when the president proposed his initial um, build back better agenda, he rolled out a series of uh, tax reform initiatives that uh, were as important to him as the investment initiatives, because he feels that our tax system is, is unfair, um, that uh, it's outdated and that it was. uh, long uh, in in need of reforms. And so you're referring to what has been shorthanded out there as the billionaire's tax is an idea that has been put out there by a number of members of Congress, including our friend Senator uh, Warren. Uh, And it is one of the ideas that is under consideration and discussion. I will note that there are a lot of different tax proposals that are out there uh, that are being discussed by members right now as a means of not just paying for the package, but again, making the system more fair, including a corporate minimum tax that would in, uh, include a 15% corporate minimum. As a reminder, 55 co- uh, companies last year of the top companies paid zero in tax. And so that would be an important step forward. A global minimum tax, something that would be on the agenda. That is a key part of the agenda at the G20. Uh, we're working to get 135 or more than that countries to agree to that. That will disincentivize countries from or companies from moving uh, jobs overseas. And enforcement, uh, IRS enforcement, something that Treasury secretaries, Democratic Republican Treasury secretaries have said could be an enormous revenue raiser and something that was long overdue. So it is one of the tax proposals out there that is being discussed uh, as we as we get to the stage of the negotiations.
2: Yeah. So Hmm. their plan is to their their plan of how to become um, to raise money to pay for their uh, welfare expansion programs is to uh, just attack one group of people. That's that's their plan. Yeah.
4: I, and, and, you know, what's interesting is that it, it, what she said there at the end, when she talked about the other countries, working with the other countries, you know, to kind of, what, what they're trying to do is, is do the mob thing. It's like, oh, yeah, you could go across the street. Ain't going to help you. You could go, go to that country. Yeah. Ain't going to help you. Yeah. You're still going to have to pay me.
2: It's what I started the show by saying yesterday. It's yeah. a, they're becoming a Tony Soprano-esque um, entity. The, the, they've always been, but yeah. the IRS specifically. And they want to they want to give him eighty billion dollars or whatever it is to ramp up just that, to dig into your life. So here's the word today. The word on the street is not only as Joe Manchin approached the president directly and said, you know, this is a horrible idea. You understand that, right? Like not not the tax part. He I think Manchin's okay with the wealth tax, but he's not okay with the IRS and the six hundred dollar in the bank. So the word is that he said specifically directly to the president. That he would not support that, and he 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 couldn't even understand how he would have thought that was a good idea. The also the word is that they've lost John Ossoff from Georgia. That he also said, "I'm not down with this. Uh, it's it's a huge privacy concern, and um, I I wouldn't support that as well." Um, Bloomberg had a piece this morning. I actually didn't pull it up, but I think I tweeted about it. Bloomberg um, had a piece this morning that. He, they, Their reporting is that the Democrats have lost um, enough support to even go forward with the, cor- with the um, corporate tax, raising it from, I believe, the 21 that it's at now. They wanted to raise it to, I think, almost 40. And I don't think they have the support for that. Bloomberg had that this morning. I'll, I'll pull that up in the break. But the one I want to get to now, and again, just think about where these are coming from. I have a piece A clip that I'm going to show you from an NYU professor. These are people who you would think would be um, in line with the president's ideas here and policies. And this is the Washington Post. And their headline is, Biden's latest tax-to-rich scheme would be an unworkable and possibly unconstitutional mess by Henry Olson in the Washington Post. The Biden administration's idea to tax billionaires' unrealized capital gains may sound real good to the old tax the rich crowd. In practice, it would be an unworkable and arguably unconstitutional mess that will end up harming everyone. And, and I want you to pay attention to this article on how much they break down. This is not going to stay up here. This is going to come down to each and every one of you in some way in theory the idea is so seductively simple and appealing billionaires and the super rich possess massive amounts of wealth in the form of stocks businesses frivolous baubles such as famous paintings or yachts these assets appreciate in value but their owners pay no tax on that value unless they sell it or realize the gain as tax lawyers put it. Only by selling the asset would a person be able to convert the asset into then taxable income. This means billionaires with appreciating assets can become hundreds of billions of dollars wealthier each year, but the government gets nothing because they're still unrealized. That would change, however, under a proposal that the Democrats are considering that would tax unrealized gains each year as if the underlying assets had been sold. Forbes estimates that Tesla founder Elon Musk's net worth rose by $126 billion last year as his company's stock price soared. But he surely paid almost no tax on that because, well, he hasn't sold any of the stock. Biden's plan would tax all of that rise, netting the federal government about $30 billion do the same for all the nation's billionaires and the feds would tell you they could pull in loads of cash without disturbing their lavish lifestyles if that sounds too good to be true it's because it is and i'll tell you why when we get back That's studio 6b on a tuesday night glad you're in got a couple other moments from the town hall that i just (laughs) i missed it was a fun time you should have watched it yeah we'll get back to those in a second but uh, let me just finish this washington post uh, on the unrealized capital gains the author says if that sounds too good to be true it's because it is to start not all assets are as easy to value as publicly traded stocks would be. Privately held companies such as Charles Koch's Koch Industries are notoriously difficult to value. Rare but valuable items are even more difficult to fix an annual price to. Someone who owns a Da Vinci or Picasso artwork likely paid more than $100 million for it at auction. But it's almost impossible to assess what a unique work of art would sell for at the end of each tax year. Billionaires are precisely the people with the motive and the means to hire the best tax lawyers to fight something like this and fight the Internal Revenue Service at every step of the way, surely subjecting each tax return to excruciating long and expensive audits. Then there's the question of what to do with capital losses. And by the way, Rick Delgado, to his credit, brought this up last night. Expensive assets can go down in value, too. And billionaires would rightly insist that the IRS account for those reversals of yeah. fortune. Exactly. This would lead to some politically uncomfortable acts if, say, a market downturn was to coincide with the end of the tax year, as happened during the Great Recession. The U.S. stock market declined by roughly a third in 2008, with the low point at the year's end, exactly when valuations for unrealized gain tax would be determined. This would have led to billionaires making up massive amounts of unrealized losses. Would the IRS have to issue multi-billion dollar refund checks to return the billionaires quarterly estimated tax payments from earlier in the year? Nope. No president will want to be in charge when their IRS has to give billions of dollars back to Warren Buffett or Bill Gates. The constitution may not even permit taxation of unrealized gains, The 16th Amendment authorizes taxation of quote-unquote income, and the definition of that seemingly simple word has spawned a long history of complicated case law. Whether something is defined as income often has to do with whether a person has complete control over a source of money that can be used in trade to purchase or invest as one sees fit. Unrealized gains don't fit Under that rubric, because the wealth is on paper, it's not in the hands of the owner to use as he or she wants. In 1920, the Supreme Court ruled that stock dividends or splits can't be taxed because they are not income. This is just one example of a torturous series of cases that the Supreme Court would inevitably have to consider to determine if Congress even has the power to tax unrealized gains. If Congress does have that power, however, and this is the most important part, it will only be a matter of time before lawmakers apply the tax to ordinary Americans. Anyone who owns a house, has a retirement account, has any unrealized capital gains, they're coming for you next. Billionaires get all the attention, but the real money is in the hands of the broader public as the collective value of real estate and mutual funds dwarfs what the nation's uber-wealthy hold. The government would love to get 25% of your 401k's annual rise, and our nation's massive annual deficits and cumulative debt means it will need that money sooner rather than later. Taxing unrealized capital gains will unlock a Pandora's box of problems. Better to keep those problems under lock and key.
3: So this all leads back to how the bankers have always done it. This goes back to, well, for one, when income tax came, they said they would only tax the rich, And next thing you know, it was everybody. And that came in with the IRS came in, and that came in with fiat money. And now you see, again, what they've done throughout history is the expansion and the contraction of the money supply. And one of my friends just sent me a, an interesting tweet. That really nails it. This is what the tweet says. Uh, your house is worth 200000 Print a lot of money. Your house is now worth 400000 Tax the unrealized gain of 200000 And you don't have that kind of cash. But BlackRock buys your house at auction. And that's how the banks have done it since day one. They expand the money supply. And then they contract the money supply. And it's a game of just absorption of all of the assets on the planet. That's how they do it. They expand. Oh, you've got a space. Great. Here's a mortgage for $7 million. Go ahead. Buy away. Up. we're calling in your loan. Give us your stuff and everything you put down on it. And it's just the way the game is played. They just steal everybody's money. And not just this way through taxation, but they also do it through the insidious and worst of all, inflation. And this is a, another example of it. And this is how they'll do it. And then you'll, if there is some form of, you know, sell off and, and let's just say that everything does go back. Yeah, I'll, I'll be able to write off what, three grand a year of my losses down the, for the next 7,000 years of my life. You know, because when you, when you lose, like if you go into a big investment and you lose a couple hundred grand, you'll get right off 3,000 a year for the rest of your life. You can't write off profits against losses. It's a joke. These loss carry foes are a joke. This is another scam. If this happens, it's full-blown totalitarianism, and we all have to revolt. Yeah.
4: Well, oh, oh that was something I brought up yesterday as well when we were talking about it, Damon, is that you know, people who don't have that tax money, now they're getting hit with that tax bill. They're going to be forced to sell, like Paul just said. Guess what? Now they have to sell just to pay the tax bill. And where are they going to be left? What's going to happen next? Well, of course, you get the you get all the uh, the bigger, you know, people that have uh, more money and maybe they've got to sell all their stocks, all their all their holdings to pay this tax bill. Guess what? What's going to follow if everybody has to liquidate a complete collapse of everything?
3: Right, which then leads to that wonderful bill where we'll have everybody in urban boxes, yeah. in tiny little houses in in big cities under a gigantic technocratic grid. Yep. Right. Where, where it all fits perfectly, where everybody's equal, and, equally broke. Well, we right. said this last and night. You get too. nothing and like it, as as mm-hmm. as uh, Klaus, uh, you know, whatever his name from uh, the World Economic Forum said.
2: We said this last night, too, and Paul just brought it up. I'm starting to think Paul maybe watched the show last night. Um, <laughs> he doesn't watch the show. Is that these same people are absolutely responsible for assets, wealthy people who have assets. They're responsible for those assets continuing to go up because of the money printing. So they print the money, wealthy people who have assets, stocks, real estate, crypto, all these assets gold, all these commodities, they all go through the roof. They all go through the roof because wealthy people know that that's their hedge against inflation. So they don't want to save their dollars and then watch it melt away two and a half, five and a half, 5.3% a year. They don't want to see that purchasing power go out the window as your assets are worth, as cash is worth less and less and gets devalued more and more. 40% of all dollars in circulation have been printed in the last two years. Think about that. 40% of all fiat money in this country has been printed in the last two years. So rich people, and not even rich people, just people who have been smart about saving and investing know that that's their hedge because when the government prints and the money printer goes burr, and it never turns off, assets go through the roof. Real estate goes through the roof. Things go through the roof. Meanwhile, people who don't have assets on the lower uh, end of the economic spectrum who are now getting an inflation, uh, this insidious inflation, which is a tax uh, that you can't even see, you're going to the store and going, Jesus, I used to walk out with a lot more bags for this kind of money you know it just gets worse and worse and worse for them so they they create the problem of course like everything else they create the problem so then they have to go fix the problem
4: they spend four years campaigning tell you how
2: they're going to fix the problem that they created and if you think this isn't coming for you then you also think that he's not raising taxes on anyone for 400,000 or less it's just problem. stop stop
3: it Solution.
2: Live from Studio 6B, hour two. Couple uh, the weather on the East Coast is hor- absolutely horrendous. A little power surge here at the studio. We had to get everything back going again. So, uh, live from Studio 6B. Glad you're in on a Tuesday. Paul Nolan's back. Going to do some news. Rick Delgado's here. What even is that coming up here in a second? Yeah. We have some more. Um, well, some more footage that I just missed from Bryden's Town Hall on Friday to get to. Um, not to, uh, not to continue on the unrealized tax gains. Cause I had another piece here from the New York post, but I do want to, um, I do want to also tell you that the New York post not only calls it a, um, not only calls it a hail Mary, but also basically says that, uh, if Warren and company, meaning Elizabeth Warren somehow pulled off this billionaire's tax, beware, they'll soon extend it to millionaires and then right down to you in the middle class. Once the feds start taxing cash, you don't actually have yet. There's no limit to what they might seize next. So this is something like Paul says that everybody's got to push back on. Call your local um, representatives, senators, whoever it is, because this is, this is on the table right now. I mean, this, this is it and uh hopefully john osseff uh sticks to his um guns and uh mansion and cinema and this gets put to rest because that's where it belongs because this is insane and it will not just be about billionaires so all right it's time now for one of my new favorite segments here on the show and that of course is rick delgado g with uh what even is that
4: All right. Well, thank you, Damon. And, and hello, my fellow useless eaters out there. Uh, check out this headline. Look mm. at this. The headline reads, people who got COVID vaccine, uh, COVID-19 vaccines were less likely to die from any cause compared to the unvaccinated people. The study finds, yeah, according to the articles, all right here in black and white, and it's from CNN. So, you know, it's got to be true. <laughs>
3: Right? CNN is fake news. Don't talk to me. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I miss them. <laughs> People who got the COVID vaccine, the COVID-19 vaccine were not only less likely to die from the virus, but check this out. They were less likely to die from any cause of oh. anything wow. over the following months. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> no, yeah. not that one. No, uh, but but really, that that's something that makes you go wow. This news is enough, just enough to make you crow. Oh, all the shit. Yeah, and actually, kind of reminds me of the old west. Really, when you think about it, the when, when there was cattle rustling and damsels in distress, and, and you'd hear the bell of the snake oil salesman as he moseyed into town on his stagecoach of wares. Remember that? Oh, I can see it now. <laughs>
2: Okay, yeah.
4: Gather round, gather round, one and all. <laughs> <laughs> what I've got for you here is a cure to everything. Can kill you. Yeah. It comes to us from the CDC and Dr. Fauci. Whoops, there goes. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the caring folks at Big Pharma, always oh, in your, always on your side. It's the free COVID vaccine, yeah. excellently adapted to carry off that superfluous Delta variant, screw the mustache, and prevent this morbid excretions <laughs> to restore and amend your life because it cures everything yeah. it produces a free perspiration and therefore prevents the hideous COVID-19 celebrated for removing all senses of sanity and sickness not necessarily in that order and ought to be taken by all persons on the mandate of any president governor or unelected federal official yeah. yes the free COVID vaccine is an infallible remedy with just one application I mean two applications <laughs> Plus an endless amount of boosters we don't know yet. And may be used up to the most perfect safety by the pregnant women or infants less than a week old. Sure. Yeah. The free COVID-19 will make sure you don't die from (laughs) anything. Ever. (laughs) But hey, if you do pass and kick the bucket by the farm or end up dead for any reason whatsoever, we will give you a full refund yeah so who's first who's first who's first out there you mr nolan mr eggs nolan how about you how about you put down that jug and take a swig of this you'll be so safe from death you could bet on the jets and take the points yeah, yeah. how about you hey damon guess what yeah no more worries for you big fella <laughs> With the COVID vaccine, you'll be powered up and immune to the Lilliputians or Smurfs as they attempt to tie you down before you stomp on their tiny villains and squish them all into the ground. <laughs> Either that or you fall from the great heights of a great beanstalk. I don't know. And uh, where's the other guy? Where's that Mr. Amorati guy? Oh, 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 what? There you are. <laughs> Guess what? There you little purple hobbit. <laughs> who, need, who needs a new hip when you've got the COVID vaccine? It will definitely make you the purple prince of your palace. So yeah. smoke them if you got them. Because yeah. it also cures oh. you from death of cancer, death by electrocution, death by car crash, and death from your spouse catching you running around with that Hatfield girl all over again. Yeah, Live free or die is just a thing of the past. Now, if we could just live free with the COVID vaccine, and it makes you immortal and to pain and injury. <laughs> now, who's next?
6: Yeah. Wow! Yes! I am invincible.
4: <laughs> yes. And just oh, like funny. that, we are back from our trip in time. But the headline remains the same and it makes you scratch your head and say what what even is that? Yeah. Really? Well, that ladies and gentlemen is what they call propaganda. Oh my now, don't worry about the claims with no substantiating data or noticeably missing, you know, maybe the name of a peer-reviewed double-blind study with the date it was published. Now, don't worry about that. Or the scientific journal it may have been published in. Nah, who needs it? It doesn't exist. That's why. But don't worry, because it was brought to you by the good, honest, and trustworthy folks <laughs> at CNN. Now, yeah. Gargamel, back to you.
2: <laughs> that was good all right that was good Rick well thank even you what is that
4: that was fun yeah sorry i lost my mind keeps
2: you safe from everything boy yeah all right very that's a good.
4: real article by the way they
3: published it last week no oh, yeah, i'm sure pure insanity
2: uh so speaking of that it's a good lead into my uh joe rogan clip 39g so rogan was doing his podcast and um we had me- you know we had mentioned this on the show a couple of weeks ago i don't know how many people picked up on it i think i mentioned it in passing because i was talking about dr pierre cory and that there was a little dirty rumor going around about co- people in congress and of course um, none of them have coming out come out and spoke well some but not many for uh like what paul did what i did preparing your body for this knowing you're going to come in contact with it vitamin d zinc aspirin ivermectin hydroxychloroquine all the things you could be taking early early treatment monoclonal antibodies obviously came later on all of that so joe rogan was doing his podcast and he said the following cut 39 roll that g
0: it's fascinating though the x Exposing of mainstream media—that's one thing that I'm very happy about. Don't call them mainstream because they're not mainstream. Right. This this show is more mainstream. Yes, it's the corporate press. It's more mainstream by a factor of ten. Of course, which is pretty crazy.
4: But it's also funny how they will do everything in their power to make you seem like you should be dismissed and not taken seriously.
0: Right. Yeah. But it's not working. No. That's what's fascinating. But this this framing of uh, like ivermectin as horse medicine. Was I, I'm in, in in some ways I'm really happy that they did it to me, because they could have it. the audience yes. to, to
1: blast back. Did you
0: see that supercut? Uh, yes.
4: Of, of yes, just one after another, them laughing yeah. at you. Yeah, yeah, hilarious. It's but also th- this is what's interesting. They kept saying that I've Ivermect- First of all, it's like you c- called your dealer. You had it prescribed, right? Yeah. So when they say it's not approved, <laughs> it's not like you are using your own judgment. You're using the judgment of a medical professional, which is what they've been yelling for a year and a half. Listen
0: to the experts. Well, not only that, I listed off a laundry list of medications, and that's the one they focused on. Right. I said I took monoclonal antibodies. I said I took prednisone, I said I took z I said I had IV infusions of NAD and of vitamins, and I also took ivermectin. I mean, it should be no surprise. I had Dr. Pierre Corey, who is one of the doctors from the frontline uh, critical COVID care group that has been treating people, including, by the way, 200 congresspeople have been treated with ivermectin for COVID. Did you know that? I did not know that. Holy crap. Google that. 200. I believe you could probably find it in Dr. Pierre Corey's uh, Twitter page. Yeah. Before there were vaccines, this was a common treatment, an off-label treatment for COVID. Now, I do not know what the motivation for demonizing this, this particular medication is. Uh, again, I'm not a doctor and I'm not a scientist, but I would imagine some of it has to do with money. The reason being is that it is a generic drug now. they've The patent has run out, so anybody can make it, and it's worth like 30 cents a dose.
2: 200 Congress uh, people mm-hmm. treated with ivermectin. Boy, would you like to know who those 200 were?
4: Yeah, a- and wonder why this wasn't applied last year, because we know that if there are... Um, treatments that you can use to cure yourself, yep. um, then there's no need for a vaccine.
2: That is correct.
3: 200. And I don't think vaccine would be legal, exactly. right? Isn't there some kind of loophole that if there is a, another form of cure, there's no place for a, for a vaccine, isn't I think, this? Yeah, a, that's
2: not what, that what you're saying, right? Yeah, Rick? that's what I just said. I oh, I'm so same. sorry. I'm so sorry. I, yeah, I, no, no. I don't know what the formal actually, what it, the formal rule or regulation. I thought he it meant is, just yes. from a
3: financial. Um, no,
2: you're absolutely right. You're both absolutely right. You're saying the same thing, but you're absolutely right. Which is the point. Which is the point. All right, live from Studio Six PM. More when we get back, live. right after this. Mm-hmm. live from studio 6b 17 past the hour uh paul nolan's gonna do some news here in a second rick delgado just did a hilarious what even is that let's go to some viewer emails here jeff says paul great to see you back and doing well thank barbara you, says uh welcome back paul you look wonderful paul prayers answered Thank, you, thank, you, thank you. um let's see here chef tommy says good to see paul back in the house looking forward to a great show big d thanks chef tommy uh, Chris Johnson says, uh, whoa, got your shirt, got Paul back, got Big D's. <laughs> let's get Big D's electoral map out for the next election. <laughs> uh, let's see. That's good.
3: The Clever people.
2: Mike says, OMG, I just wet my pants with the Beavis and Butthead reference. Very good. Um,
3: Did they say in that thing, corn pop holio? <laughs>
2: Robert Johnson, let's see. He said the new preamble. What else we got here? Robin says, I'm dying here. Pure genius, Rick Delgado. There you go. Rick Thank says, freaking awesome, Rick Delgado. Richard says, what even is that? Excellent job, Rick. I'm still laughing. Uh, Donna says, LOL, Rick D. Great, what even is that? Still laughing. Love you guys. So Thank you. Also want to shout out my new best friend down in Tennessee. Bobby, Bobby B, um, who has been beyond nice since I talked about taking the show, you know, on the road. Oh, that's right.
3: Paul wasn't here for that either. <laughs> were Paul you here for that, Paul?
2: Paul wasn't here for that. We could
3: been gone like a month.
2: <laughs> Paul, we're taking the show to, to possibly going to Nashville.
3: I'm in. <laughs> Let me think so, it over. I'm in.
2: I, I announced we were going to take the show, Paul, one night on the show when you weren't here, and I said, just... Just to gauge interest, because I don't want to go there for, you know, seven people in the audience, two of them are my parents. Right. Um,
3: right. No that Nothing more depressing. Yeah. Than-
2: so I said, just send me an email. Like, just give me like an I'm in. I, you don't even need to tell me why or where. Can, you, just tell me I'm in. Can I guess how many? How many, you think?
3: 31. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: you know, Paul, have a little more faith than that in this audience. That's a lot. 1,344.
3: Wait. 1,300 people said they would go? I got
2: 1,300 emails. Some of them were duplicates, so exactly how many, but 1,300 emails of people who said they were going to come from everywhere.
3: So that's, we're saying that if we, if we plan this, we could easily get 2,000 people if we really pushed it.
2: Well, I was going to do the Franklin Theater because it's a theater I know. Um, I produced a show there, me and Harry, believe it or not. Um, a while ago, it's a beautiful little theater, but people reminded me from the area. They kind of wrote me emails with the laughing emoji, with the crying emoji, like, what are you, out of your mind? It's only 320 seats you're going to do, unless you're going to do a Billy Joel stint and do like 10, <laughs> 10
8: nights.
2: It's too small. So Bobby reached out to me from Tennessee. and um, I was just out in Tennessee. Bobby says that he's um, willing to help. I mean, this is what I'm getting from, from email. Uh, Tom, make sure you give us enough notice. I'm going to take time off from work. I'm going to drive six hours, but it's going to be worth it. Can't wait to spend. So I get this email from Bobby. Bobby says, Damon, I'm, uh, anything you need. I'm, you know, I'm a, a musician in the area. Oh, come um, on. And we're talking about maybe doing the show for two hours and then doing a third hour of a live performance. Uh, if we can get a country act or whatever. We're going to try to plan it.
3: No, hold on. I got this. We're going to do three hours, but we're going to mix music (laughs) in the middle of it and then we're going to take questions from the audience.
2: Okay. Yeah, something like that. We'll do exactly. Maybe we'll do like an after part. I don't know. I don't know. We're throwing all kinds of things around. So I started emailing back and forth with Bobby and at some point his email comes back to me and says yeah I know I know the Franklin Theater too uh, or no uh, we were talking about Liberty Hall which is now up for um possibilities and That's he good. says yeah well I, I I know Liberty Hall too I played a, I played a show there with with um with Vince Gill and, <laughs> and Amy Grant and I, I so I wrote it, I said, whoa, 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 wait wait a second. Like you played it, like you had it on your phone while you were eating dinner there? He's, he's just, no, well, I'm, you know, he's, I, think, I believe he's a drummer, percussionist. And he played with real, real people? <laughs> yeah. Played, yes, yes, he plays with, he plays with real people. So he couldn't be nicer in, in offering help and getting maybe possibly musicians together. So we had a nice exchange. So today, listen to this. Today I go to check the email for the show as I try to do every day. At some point, I have an, I have three emails from Bobby. He went over to Liberty Hall to take pictures of it, what it looks
3: like, <laughs> and
2: sent them to me.
3: Hold on wow. a second, Delgado, can you send me that hat over here? Because I really want to go. <laughs> I want to go down. I really want to go down to, to Nashville. I want a bunch of country music going. And I want to be
2: yeah,
3: hop along, each
2: <laughs> <laughs> So I mean, the audience just couldn't be more. I mean, just I mean, we we I mean, we know, but I mean, it's just it's unbelievable. Oh, I like so this.
4: yeah, tomorrow you're gonna get. Uh, he's gonna send you an email. Here's me and Vince Gill. We're talking about <laughs> playing that day, and uh, we got Garth who, who says he wants to sit in.
3: Can you well, believe a bunch of city <laughs> slickers like us? So
2: I went on YouTube, of course, and looked at tried to find some video of... Um, oh,
3: because you didn't believe him?
2: Well, no, just because I wanted to, you know, have I, I went to school for music, so I have some idea what I'm talking about. Very little left, very little. But, um, well, he suppo- I guess he had one of the hotter bands in Nashville at the time, working bands at the time. I, 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 was, I was
3: watching him play. If they asked you to sit in... And what? by the way, would what? If they asked you to sit in with a real band, yeah. would you be more comfortable on guitar or piano? Oh,
2: well, piano, for sure. Okay. Piano was my instrument.
3: Because well, I've seen D- and Big I'd D- sit down right up the guitar, and I boy. would sit
2: down in two seconds, by the way, and just jump right in.
3: And especially no- country it-
2: music, I know every damn song, really, in every key, and I can transpose it on site Probably, maybe so. I'll sing. But neither here, <laughs> right that's on, neither here nor dude. there. The point being, I mean, just the the audience has responded in a way. Um. So we're we're actively trying to put this in place, and there's a lot that's going to go into it too. Because, like Paul says, I want we want to think it through and make it right do it right get the music get the audio video production wise it's got to be i'm going to want you know it just has to be right so we're gonna we're gonna do it though i don't know we're gonna do it in 2021 but we're gonna do it we may although bobby kind of maybe changed my mind on that i didn't want to feel like we were forcing it to do it too quickly but we'll see so
3: how about when it gets really cold here we go down there for a month well, <laughs> but yeah. Paul's it, got us it. on
4: tour here. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Paul. Paul, Nashville is not like
2: uh, you know, Oahu uh, or something. Yeah. It, it, well, uh, hold pretty, on a second. It's, it's going to be cool fifteen,
3: there. twenty degrees warmer than it'll be up here.
2: No, and, it snowed the night I did the show there at the Franklin Theater. Yeah.
3: Well, you're going to tell me when it's twenty two <laughs> degrees here. It's not going to be forty two there. It could be. That's going to be fine by me. Forty two is a vest. All
2: right, let's do another moment here, G. LOL video of the day three. Another moment that I missed at the town hall on Friday. Uh, roll that. Now, see if you guys saw this part. I totally missed this. About that, with just a because <laughs> you had told uh, us at the town hall like in July that the. In, that <laughs> <laughs> totally missed that part. Who, who, did we do that here? Totally missed that. Yeah.
4: That, that one, I I didn't see that one. That was good.
2: Yeah, I I, I must have gone to the bathroom. Totally missed that part. So, uh, Gee, did we ever play Saki about the millionaire's tax deal? 34? Oh, okay. So I want to play 35. So this is an NYU professor who went on CNBC. I don't have time, actually. Yeah, I don't have time for it. I want to play the whole thing, too, because it's good. So you want a quick story? Yeah, sure.
3: A homeschooled uh, senior from Tennessee won this year's National Constitution B, showcasing his superior knowledge of the nation's founding document. Uh, Braden Farley of Springfield Hill, Tennessee, won the tournament's top honor as grand champion, as well as a $10,000 scholarship. Farley is the second person to bring his family home, uh, the grand champion title, behind his elder brother Noah, who captured the top prize in 2017. So once again, it's kind of nice to see homeschooling really the answer to all the nonsense we're seeing here. Let's get groups of people, get together, homeschool communities.
2: I played you Yale epidemiologist, Dr. Harvey Rice, yesterday on Levin's Life, Liberty and Levin saying the exact same thing. He said if it was my kid, the risk reward is not there. I would homeschool him. I'd take him out. You only got one kid. You got one shot. They've got one life. It's just it's just not there all right live from studio 6b more to do we're back in a three quick minutes past the hour live from studio 6b so a bunch of stuff here i still want to get to paul's going to do some more news let's just put a wraps on the capital gains thing because i think this is worth watching it's a couple minutes long but this again this is an nyu professor um who went on cnbc this morning to talk about this tax law 35g roll that
9: our next guest says this new capital gains tax could not only be ineffective, but he calls it one of the worst tax ideas ever. Joining me now is Oswap <laughs> Demoter and he's NYU's Stern School of Business professor. It's great to have you back. You, you say you're constantly amazed by the capacity of legislatures to write bad tax law, but this one takes the cake. Why uh, philosophically is it such a departure?
1: If you think if you think in perverse terms about writing really bad tax law, here's what you would do. You would focus it first on very few people, and those people have the capacity to fight back. This law does that. You tie it to something that moves a lot. Capital gains is the most volatile of bases to base taxes on. You'd make it really difficult to compute and pay the tax, which is what happens when you have unrealized capital gains. And you might even steal taxes from other tax sources that you already collect. Now this this bill accomplishes all of those. states. I mean, the a, bottom one. It's there. almost perverse in terms of if, as I hey, look G, at the Just go back a second not, pause
2: it, and just go back a little bit. Notice the bottom one of the first list. Potentially dangerous for everyone, and that's the point.
3: Ineffective and punitive yeah. in its intent.
2: This is not gonna be about billionaires.
3: And I know we're we're
4: no laughing doubt. at it as he's saying it because it sounds funny, but it's real. That's that should that
1: should scare everyone.
2: Yeah. All right, go ahead.
1: And it's uh it's almost perverse in terms of if as I look at the description, it's not quite fair because the actual bill is not in front of us. If I were writing bad tax law, this is what it would look like.
9: So (laughs) why do you think they're looking at going this route? And is I guess do you think there's a again, I use sort of the word philosophic. Is there a a philosophic effort to make this step because it might start with billionaires, but ultimately be something that all Americans would have Ah. to reckon with?
1: Ah. You know what? It's not really just billionaires, right? Because if you're a billionaire with 20 billion dollars in inherited assets, and that stays roughly around twenty billion. The tax doesn't affect you. If you're a billionaire who takes two billion dollars, builds a company, and makes it worth twenty billion, the tax is coming after you. You might as well call this tax the Bezos uh, Musk tax. I mean, let's face it. This is a tax a tax that builds on the dislike that people have, not just for billionaires, but for billionaires who become richer. Quickly over the last decade, so from that perspective, it's not even consistent in who it who it punishes. It punishes a subset of billionaires, entrepreneurs who've started businesses, and it lets loose or leaves alone billionaires who got inherited wealth when nothing is happening to their wealth.
9: You know, Cliff asnes and, and it,
2: has just been again about to point it. out. You know, yes, they become billionaires and they become they become extra wealthy every year because a number of factors. But one of the big factors is because of what this, our own government continues to do. The M2 money supply is printing like never before. Interest rates are zero. If you're a wealthy person, you know that you can just borrow against your assets and never have to sell because they continue to appreciate more than what you're borrowing again. So your debt to level ratio is never anything you ever have to worry about. If you have assets that appreciate 30% a year, and you're borrowing whatever it is every year against them, and they continue to appreciate and the government's printing and printing and printing and spending and spending and deficits and deficits and deficits, and fiat money continues to devalue and devalue and devalue, and then they make them sound like they're all breaking the law. They're all, all try to criminalize everything. They're, what, all they're doing is what anyone else in that position would do. What any smart person knows. Why sell something that appreciates when you can borrow against it and it continues to appreciate? Go ahead, G.
9: How his preference would be to just do something that uh, eliminates the step-up basis. Saying, in other words, you know, why should it be the case that if you know, if I sell an asset, I pay capital gains, but if I pass it to an heir and they sell it, they don't? Um, do you think that that would be a fairer, a better, a broader way to raise revenue?
1: It's a more direct way to do it, right? And To you know, get rid of that that, that free step-up you get at inheritance. Because, but Congress never seems to want to take the direct way, and part of the reason for that is when you have a paper thin majority, you've got to go with desperation plays. And this reeks of being a desperation ploy. This is the only thing they can get through. So from that perspective, there are lots of other things you could do. You could raise rates, you could fix the inheritance problem, but this is the worst possible way you could have taken. And they've managed to do it.
9: It's interesting me as, oh, gee, as well good. to that's, watch what's going to happen with.
2: You get the point. Wow. My goodness. And, um, and in in the end the, the the kicker of all of it is all that really does is just weaponize the uh, uh, it just gives you more government because even if this was on the ultimate ultimate optimal uh, level if this worked and they put this in place you know what it would raise it wouldn't raise enough to pay for the new green deals first 60 days in existence it wouldn't pay for they'd raise maybe 250 to 300 billion dollars over 10 years that doesn't even pay for uh bernie sanders and aoc's uh the ideas they've forgotten about to fund never mind what they really want to do i mean it does so it's just
4: yeah it, it, i equate this to to and one of the things he was explaining too As well, when he said, you know, this is the worst tax policy, because you're going after the people with the most money. And I think you also said this too: people that can afford to hire the best lawyers and tax uh, tax attorneys and accountants to get around this to figure this out. So it's almost like the jackals, the tax, uh, the tax collectors of the jackals, they decided to pick on the, uh, you know, the strongest elk and the elk gets away because, well, they're, they're, they're bigger and stronger. Well, what are the jackals going to do next? They're going to turn to the people that aren't maybe as strong, who can't muster up a fight. You know what I mean? People like, uh, oh, I don't know, you and I, people that, that are just, you know, putting, putting, uh, you know, living check to check. That's who they end up going after, and that's who they always end up going after. Because if you notice, the rich people seem to keep getting richer, even though they keep, they keep promising, we're going to tax you know, the wealthy this time. You watch it. We're going to go after Wall Street this time. You yeah. watch. They're still there. They're still, they're still playing with money hand over fist. So yeah. don't believe the lie.
2: All right, let's do some news. Um, and here with the news is Paul Nolan. What's, what's going on, Paul? Well, um, welcome back.
3: Yeah, well, it's good to be back. I don't know if you guys um, saw this, but uh, Manchin on changing parties, he, he wrote his quote was, I don't know where the hell I belong. Virginia, uh, West Virginia Democrat Joe Manchin said Tuesday that it would be much easier to be a Republic, Republican, but is not planning to switch political parties at this time. Manchin said people have approached him every day about changing his political party. Do you think by having a D or an I or an an R is going to change who I am? I don't think an R would make me any more happier than me uh, than what the D's are right now, uh, mentioned during the Economic Club event in Washington, D.C. I mean, that's about as blunt as I could put it, so I don't know where the hell I belong.
2: Yeah, I, I saw this story, and I saw that he said, I don't think the Republicans would be much happier than the Democrats are with me right yeah. now, trying to make himself sound like he's, I guess, some kind of centrist or moderate, but he's not. Right, he's not. I mean, he's he's down with the wealth tax. He's down. I mean, we heard him on that leaked call that we played <laughs> from uh, yeah. the intercept a couple months ago. I mean, he he's he's no moderate, and it doesn't and it doesn't seem like he's going to hang on here. It doesn't seem like it at all. It looks like now that they've tried to play games to get from three and a half trillion down to two trillion, it looks like he's uh, close to being on board. So, man, I mean. You know, and, and just think about this here. Here we're supposed to have representative, uh, representative government. We have 50/50 Senate, Joe Manchin being one of them, on votes that are going to literally change this country and shape it into something that most of us don't recognize, and his answer to where he stands mentally and with his party is I don't know where I belong right now, but okay, well OK, okay but Joe, that's not what we want to hear going into votes that are going to fundamentally change. Um, the way a lot of us see this country, the effects it's going to have for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years on the country, ramming this through, and, and, and your mindset is, well, I don't really know where I belong right
8: now. Well, that doesn't give us a lot of confidence that, that you're voting or, 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 I mean, what is that?
2: So I I don't know. You know, I don't know. We've said this all along, though. It's not a surprise. We've said, I don't know how much we can trust this guy or if he can make it across the finish line. Now, Biden leaves, unfortunately, not for good, but he leaves, I guess, to go across the pond, what, this week, Friday or Thursday or Friday? and And, of course, nobody has seen anything. There's no legislative text anywhere to be found on any of this. And I was watching another interview on CNBC this morning as I was watching the market open. And there was somebody on there from the, from the tax policy center and said, you know, it's hard to imagine, given that we've seen no legislative tax, that, that we could see it and it could be wrapped up and voted on by the end of this week, which is their deadline. Their deadline is Friday, I believe. And it may even be Thursday because I think he leaves right. to go overseas Talk about his climate change uh, nonsense. So, I mean, yeah, nobody's pl- seen any of this stuff.
4: Yeah, plus you have to unpack all the, uh, the hidden, you know, let's face it. They're going to sneak as much stuff as they can in there.
3: Oh,
4: yeah. Uh, especially on the illegal immigration. We already saw the uh, parliamentarian turn that down. What, like once or twice already? But you know they're going to try and word it a certain way, try and sneak it in. They're going to try and sneak in some some other stuff that's already been uh, poo-pooed. Uh, but they'll try and find a way. And Joe Manch will be like, yeah, but the number's right. If the number's right, then I can do it. A- and like I said, even if cinema doesn't come around, they can just go to Collins or Murkowski or one of those other rhinos and be like, come on, get on board. We got the number down for you. Now it's a number. See, they're all looking at the number. They're not looking at the substance. They're just looking at the number. If they can sell them the number, oh, okay, I'm on board.
2: Well, it's hard for me to imagine West Virginians um, would be uh, down with any of these policies. Uh, I, I don't know. I can't see that they'd be down with any of this. Most people who live in that state. So if you're in that state listening to us, it's time to get on the phone with Senator Manchin's office. Yeah. Continually. And let them know where you stand on all of this. All right, Paul, what else is going on in the news?
3: Uh, New York City Police Union sues City to block vaccine mandate. Yeah, The largest police union in New York City filed a lawsuit on Monday in an effort to block the city's vaccine mandate from taking effect. Uh, the Police Benevolence Association's lawsuit seeks to have the state Supreme Court block Mayor Bill de Blasio's vaccine mandate because it does not offer weekly testing. As an alternative to getting the vaccine, the union's union's move comes as the deadline to provide proof of vaccination approaches. Last week, the Blasio announced that city workers had until November 1st to get at least one shot to, or potentially face termination. Uh, according to the mandate, workers will be placed first on administrative leave until a final decision dis, uh, concerning termination. Uh, is made so NYPD's legal division in support of Mayor uh, the Mayor's orders st- saying in a statement that the mandate is lawful and helps keep New Yorkers safe.
2: No, he. Th- I'm glad he thinks so. Yeah, he says, we need to uh, see some lawsuits flying. Yep, is He's, what we need to see. And we'll s- find out.
3: So, seventy percent I- of the city's 160,000 employees have proof of vaccination. Cowards. Has
2: OSHA actually come out with that? Um... Nope, no hmm. text yet. Okay. live from Studio 6B. One more um, one more segment from Biden's thing that I missed and uh, a couple other things will wrap it up for a Tuesday night. to the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night. Glad you're in. Paul Nolan's back. Good to have him back. Rick Delgado did an hysterical. What even is that tonight? Thank you. Getting the email still about it. People, people.
4: Uh, I guess we're taking pictures of uh, of the screen. Caught me with w- yes. when the mustache stayed on.
2: Yeah, yes. And,
4: and uh, Paul wearing my hat.
2: So. Um, If you haven't got your Let's Go Brandon t-shirt here, I am finally wearing mine. Of course, I got it like last in line. I only uh, ordered it first. But I'm happy to get it. It's 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 a good-looking shirt. Uh, 6bshirts.com. Make sure you visit us on all our social media. I think there's a new design coming out tonight as well, which I just love the idea of it. Uh, That should be on 6bshirts as well. Uh, Of course, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Parler, YouTube, Getter rumble everywhere uh let's do last um lol video of the day another moment here from joe biden's town hall on friday night that i i just missed roll that g did you guys see this one speaking of my shirt here about that with just in terms of inflation because you had told uh, us at the town hall i think it was in july that the, in, the... Uh, let's go over then come wow. on
4: yee uh, yeah. The only thing he was, he's missing was a hat.
2: Well, the only thing missing is, you know, when he tells that story, Joey Baby, <laughs> RN, the RNC did a um, pretty good edit. I'd love to give Gio the credit here, but the, actually, this was the RNC's edit. How the story, well, if you haven't picked up on it, hasn't exactly stayed the same as uh, the president has continually told this story. Rolled that, G. They keep
6: fastidious record of the miles you travel in America, in the in Air Force aircraft as president, and vice president. And toward the end of my term, fourth or fifth year as president, vice president, seven years in, <laughs> headline came out in all the papers, Biden travels. I think it was 1.3 or 1.7 million miles, 1,400,000 miles, 1 million, I think, don't hold exactly exact numbers, 350,000 miles, a 1,200,000 miles, 1,300,000 miles on Air Force One. And a guy named Angelo Negri came up, he goes, Joey, baby, my chick like that? he said, big deal, Joey. A million whatever it was, three hundred thousand miles. Two million miles. <laughs> A million, two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand miles. Do you know how many miles you travel on Amtrak, Joey? And I said, No, Angie, I don't and he said that retirement turn. And we calculated it. We estimated it. 127 days a year, 119 days a year, 131 days a year, 117 days a year, 121 days a year, 36 years. Plus, as Vice President, boom, boom, you have traveled over two million miles, one million five hundred fifteen thousand miles, two million. I think it was one hundred eighty, but two million two hundred thousand miles, two million oh. one hundred thousand miles on Amtrak. That's true story. it's not a true story
2: (laughs) it's not a true story at all yeah look at the last line there most people don't know that that's a good video that's a good edit good edit.
3: dang speaking of good videos did you guys see the lunatic comment from obama With With Springsteen? Springsteen? Yeah. Oh, you guys were basically him and Clarence Clemens was like a reconciliation until he got to a bar. Then the N-word came up, and he was, uh, you know, what a sicko. What a sicko. Holy cow. Did you guys play that thing? No. I have no idea what you're talking about. What a disaster. I just saw it,
4: and uh, it's, it's basically two races talking. That's the way it sounds to me. It really, when is. when you get right down to it, two rotten, just dirty, racist, elite, racist talking about the dirties beneath them. That's yeah. all it is. When Springsteen refers to his own his own fans as the people who would call Clarence Clemens in a bar the N word, that's that's what he thinks, and and so does Obama. It's oh yeah, the, yeah. They, they'll watch him on stage, but if they saw him in a bar, they'd just call him the N word. Really. If anything, people probably like Clemens way better than Springsteen because Spring Springsteen's a D bag.
2: You ain't kidding. Me. Wow, I didn't see that.
4: It's disgust I mean it's it's enough to just make it remember yesterday when I said I really I'm not really into punching people, but Fauci, I would just walk up to him and punch him in the face for what he does to those dogs.
2: I would do the same to Springsteen. Mm. Um, you know, since Rick um I didn't see that, I'll have to check that out. That sounds woof. I, um, Rick Amorati obviously is recovering from getting his hip done. We haven't done sports. So let's spend just a second here in the world of sports because today we got another big voice. You know, we've had Kyrie Irving. We've had some others, few and far between, but some have spoken out, Well, we had another today in a way. And then, I mean, something that I, I don't know that I was all that surprised by. If you follow him, Floyd Mayweather, I'm talking about somebody who has been, who has lived the American dream. I mean, the American dream, he epitomizes it. Kid who came from nothing to um, take his talent and build himself an empire. He put out a video today in support of Kyrie Irving. Cut 41 G. Here it is. Roll it.
8: Kyrie, what's up? I know you're going through a lot. We had a chance to hang out in 2016 when you represented america when you represented the red white and blue you only want to be treated fair um i was going to post something on one of my social media pages but i decided to do it the old school way and read it out to you because you are a great person great father a uh, great athlete and you believe what you believe america is the land of the free freedom of speech freedom of religion and supposedly freedom to choose Never be controlled by money. I respect you for having some integrity and being your own man. A free mind makes his own choices and a slave mind follows the crowd. Stand for something or fall for anything. One man can lead a revolution to stand up and fight for what's right. One choice, one word, one action can change the world. It's crazy how people hate you for being a leader. I hope your actions encourage many others to stand up and say enough is enough. Respect to you, Kyrie, and power to the people. Great. Yeah. Great.
3: Yeah. to other people? Yeah. Imagine he- what Martin Luther King would be saying today about all this. He would probably be vilified because he'd probably say, no, I don't think the vaccine's right for me. He would be canceled because he talked about liberty was coming after You know the loss of liberty is coming after everybody. Uh,
2: Let's what's that? Let's do the quick story before we wrap up here on uh, what's happened in Loudoun County. Yeah,
3: students in Loudoun County uh, school districts in Virginia walked out of class Tuesday in response to the recent sexual assault allegations that took place on two high school campuses. The organizers of the protest told the local news station that they wanted to show solidarity to victims of sexual violence and demand safety in our schools. On Monday, Loudoun County judge found that the 15-year-old male student was guilty of sexually assaulting a female student inside the girls' bathroom at the Stonebridge High School back on May 28th. The same student allegedly assaulted another female student at Broad uh, Run High School after being transferred there due to his previous sexual assault. According to The Hill, the flyer, a flyer was posted at different high schools across the district encouraging students and teachers to participate in this 10-minute protest by by wearing white. Uh, the school officials planned uh, the walkout by stationing school resource officers to at certain locations across the district. And um, the video really shows um, these kids standing up for, just simple decency. It's pretty crazy man. This is what did you expect was going to happen? You put you know, you it's just it's just so it's just amazing that it takes something like this to uh maybe wake up some of these goofballs on these school boards, these overly woke morons. And I want
2: you to go to our Twitter at LFS6P cuz I have at the top have a link to a Daily Wire exclusive today. Follow up on this. More on Terry McAuliffe and breaking tonight, Terry McAuliffe linked law firm fighting Virginia student who said she was gang raped by Luke Rosiak. And we're about a a week or so away from this election, Mm. Terry McAuliffe in Virginia, and this might be uh, an article that you want to read and share, especially if you're in that area. All right, as always, we salute our military active and active police firefighters first responders everybody on the front lines protecting us thanks to everybody on the show thanks g thanks fran thanks to real america's voice but most of all as always thank you the live from studio 6b audience <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow night 8 p.m right here live from studio 6b
4: <laughs> oh there he goes he's off to europe
2: <laughs> g20 here
4: he comes that's too